We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in to the MPW Digital Post Game Show presented by Dead Soxie. I'm Chase Parm here with you for the next little while. As you can see, Jeffrey Wright already in the screen there. We'll get to him in one second. This will be up in podcast form right after the show ends as well. All MPW Digital Podcasts presented by Twisted T. But Ole Miss survives, knocks off Texas A&M 3835 in Oxford today. A dominant defensive first half turns into a bit of a shootout. There in the second half, Texas A&M missing a field goal that was uh, partially blocked by, I think, Xavion Harris there at the end as Ole Miss, again, 8-1 and one on the season. They get the game that we've uh, been hesitant but also talking about for several weeks now. At Georgia next week, Rebels 8-1 and one headed to Athens. And uh, we'll discuss biggest game since, talk about what it means, what it doesn't mean, and more coming up. So a lot of reaction on this third straight win over Texas A&M, and then also what's ahead for the Rebels against Georgia next week. Before we do that, Dead Soxie, we appreciate them every week. If you want to elevate your game day look and socks, financially support the Rebels every step you take, shapes the future of Ole Miss Athletics. Sign up for a sock subscription, get the exclusive Juice Kiffin sock for free. It's right there on the screen if you're here with us. Visit DeadSoxy.com. Choose a subscription to receive the latest in Ole Miss styles every month or at an interval that best suits you. Take the next step of Great Your Socks, elevate Ole Miss, and as always, stay Soxy. Jeffrey, um, ton to get to here. Uh, just curious. I assume you were watching with the uh, w- with the misses. What was her reaction as A&M is uh, going down to score there? Uh, she acted as if she was watching the game, and then she went into the kitchen because uh, where our kitchen is, you can't see the TV. So she had completely over there, but she claimed to her parents that she did indeed uh, watch. However, she saw nothing because she couldn't. She went for a walk during the entire second half. Oh, really? Uh, for, I would say, like a good 45-minute walk. She walked with our daughters. Like, she's acting like it was a parenting move. No, she was like literally... She could not watch the game. 
Yeah, I will get to a couple reactions after this on rebelgrove.com. Just heads up, everybody. Obviously, when the game ends like that, I have no ability to put that in any type of context quick enough to get the show started. So I will do that, especially with the 11 a.m. game right after this. But, uh, I mean, so many different places here. Um, again, though, Jeffrey, let's go here. 8-1, and one, they get to the place that we were talking about was possible. Georgia next week. And another win where they showed tons of perseverance, uh, tons of ways that, you know, they got to this big lead. They had this 14-point swing after the holding penalties and the officiating and all that stuff. And A&M takes the lead in the second half. And it's, it's again a game where I've seen so many Ole Miss teams right there go, hey, hell of an effort, but just wasn't to be today. And you grab your lunch pail and you head off to the locker room and it's an L in some way. And they fought back. They got the they got the score. They drive right down. They do it, if anything, too fast. Then you get on defense. You make a stop. You force the field goal. You should maybe should have picked the ball off twice during that. You got unlucky on Max Johnson fumbling. So many things there. But they just, again, find ways to win in a team that, you know, it is completely their identity against a team that it is completely the opposite of their identity in Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thought that I had was like, holy hell, I just need to – um, like, cause that felt like it was like five different games in one. Um, like I just like look at my notepad and early, like feels like maybe 20 points could win the game. Like the way that it was going, it didn't feel like every, everyone, it was tougher to move the ball. And so I was like, man, maybe this could be like one of those slog type games. Then Ole Miss gets the big drive where I honestly – like, I know people are going to do the whole officiating thing. I think Ole Miss got away on, on the fourth down. Jackson had a false start. That was – that they got away with that. Uh, then they get the great throw to set up the touchdown. And then I think they had a good scheme play to formation. And Judkins made a good cut, and it was 7-9. And then Texas A&M started false starting. And – kind of the key thing that I was writing down was I was always a little worried about Ole Miss only because they weren't getting pressure. And when Johnson has struggled, it's we saw today. It's like when he was pressure, he looked pretty vulnerable, but you know, you keep coming back to it. It's like the game gets away from them. They can't stop the run. You know, the, the first, uh, the drive where uh, let's see. The drive where uh, Ole Miss gets the ball with 12.04 in the fourth quarter. I think A&M's just cut it to three. And I was like, feels like Ole Miss needs a touchdown. Because it felt like at that point, that was the type of drive where I don't know how many more stops Ole Miss was going to get. And they go three and out. And the, the, first, the first down run to Bentley where I think if the guy misses – Bentley might have had, I don't know, a 50, 60-yard game. Mm-hmm. There was nobody on that side of the field. Then they have the run for no gain, and then the incompletion uh, on the slant, I think, to Watkins. And uh, they go three and out. And then just like that, A&M goes back, and you know that you know A&M's going to score a touchdown. And I, I get griping about that catch. I think it was a catch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I – I think some of the reviews were a little quick. I didn't think they got reviews wrong. And the thing that I actually like about this team is, like, I don't feel like we've had a game where the calls impacted how Ole Miss played. They just kept playing. And they went and 
finding ways to make plays. And the biggest story to me of today is Ole Miss. Like, it's kind of like what we talked about last week when you were talking about this game. Like, we kind of set it up. It's like we didn't know how spot we were going to be. But, like, this game came down to the last drive, honestly, for each team. And Ole Miss made more plays on the offensive drive and plays on the defensive drive. And so we're setting up. I mean, I don't know. What was the stat? When's the last time you won? It feels like it has to be before integration. When's the last time they were eight and one? I mean, integration before integration. I would assume the sixties. Without looking it up, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, I, I, so, my, my my guess would be nineteen sixty three or sixty two, but that is simply a guess yeah. that I haven't gotten there yet. Um, by the way, as you're talking, Arkansas knocks off Florida thirty nine thirty six in uh, in OT. I actually got one right this week. The uh, the Hogs going to Gainesville. They go up fourteen nothing in the first three minutes. And they uh they get they get an interesting game against Auburn next week. We got plenty of time to talk about that. I'm not doing it right now, but uh, Hogs and uh, Tigers. Quick way to get to this because I'm setting up some some stuff with as I say this. Trey Harris today, 11 13 a touchdown, 15 targets. He had 55 after the catch. He had uh, multiple one hand catches. He was a complete beast. It's a complete mismatch there on the uh, outside for Ole Miss. Put it together in a way that was, yeah, actually eight and one last year. Daniel, you're right. They they went eight and one and then lost to A and M and they didn't. I mean, sorry, they lost the next week and didn't uh, win again. A and M was their final win to get to A and one, eight and one. Okay, so two years in a row. Sorry, yes, you're correct, correct, correct about that. Um, Trey I think we get great. These eight and ones, these eight and ones feel very different. Yeah, I mean, I, look, here's what Ole Miss did today: is barring some crazy collapse in Starkville. You've got an access bowl. You're ten and two, and you're about to head to an access yeah. bowl. At worst, you get your opportunity next week. We'll get, we'll get all to that. But no, I mean that, that's what this game was huge on a number of levels to to get a win, to get the win that was getting you to the thing that matters the most. You know, it, it's it's funny because what we've watched, and and I get that this is not. I mean, I understand all these things aren't connected, but it's kind of like I said a second ago. We see Ole Miss in the past, and it's. Today was a great microcosm of just sort of where they've come as an athletic program because I was there for the first half, as I always am, and I'll leave at halftime and get here to start setting up and working at things. The crowd was great for an 11 a.m. game. The environment is really good. They do they do so many things better, as we talked about last week, from a, from a game op standpoint, and they just continue to find ways to win games, and they get to the game that matters. You know, it feels like Ole Miss in every sport for so long – they would lose the one to get to the one that matters. You know what I mean, Jeffrey? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. game before you go, hey, if they just get past Arkansas, then you got this LSU game. Or if you just get past this team, you get this thing. Or, you know, the, the, a completely different sport. But basketball always in those preseason tournaments is, hey, hey, Syracuse yeah. is right there if they just beat Elon. And then you lose to Elon and do all those things. This is a different environment. It's a different era. It's so many things you, where – You can just get, you can get just, to the Sweet 16 if you just get past LaSalle. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's my yeah. point. That, that's completely what I'm saying. Is like it, it's it's that deal where you look up and go, no, they came out, they asserted themselves early. They were by far the better team in the first half. I mean, they were unfor- You know, it was very unfortunate. Frankly, they weren't up three, four touchdowns and just sort of put them away. They let A and M get off the mat, and then they just kept responding and kept responding and kept responding. And as I said, Trey Harris goes over 200 bills there. Jackson Dart he finishes uh, 24 of 33 for 387. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the pass game today. Yeah, I mean, the I feel like the other thing I kept writing on my notepad was Trey Harris. 
with like a star. Trey Harris, Trey Harris, Trey Harris, Trey Harris. I mean, to me, today was the Trey Harris game offensively because I feel like that's the first time we've seen him this year where he looked explosive. We've seen him make really tough catches and and make big plays, but today looked like he had a gear that I don't feel like we've seen from him for a while. And they honestly needed it. I mean, you know, you saw – you could tell early – the running game was going to be dependent on how much could they throw it. If they could throw it and they could get some light boxes, they'd be able to run it. But if they were going to try to establish the run early, it was going to be tough. And A&M, essentially, the way they played them, they played a lot of man, and they basically dared Ole Miss to throw the football on him, and he made them pay time after time. I mean, even his, like, even the incompletions to him were still impressive. Like, the, the one-handed grab in the end zone, I mean – they just had no answer for him. And like whenever you get into a 38, 35 game saying like one player's the difference is probably Mm -hmm. misguided, but I don't know if Ole Miss is in that game without him because I don't think they had anyone else that commanded the amount of respect that he did. Well, I mean, even on one of their scoring drives there as they were trying to come back and keep pace when A&M went on the run, he caught the ball in that really contested catch down the left sidelines on sort of that corner wheel thing and when that happened, he thought, hey, that's not one we're going to put into the stat book and go, wow, it's not as big as that one-handed catch. But it was just as important at the time to keep it going, keep the drive going and moving because, you know, Dart has this career-like day as far as throwing for 387 and a couple touchdowns. But you look at how it was divvied. And again, Harris was more than 50% of his yards, kind of well more because Jordan Watkins goes 5 for 47. Wade was 4 for 80. Priest scoring 2 for 33. Judkins, uh, one catch, 10 yards. Bentley, one catch, four yards. And then Hudson Wolf had a target, but no catch. Every time there needed to be a play, it was Harris, and he was going up, manipulating and dominating some defensive back in the process. I mean, he just had one of those days. They did end up getting uh, Judkins over 100 yards. He goes 23 for uh, 102, three touchdowns on uh, on his day, scoring three times, averaging 4.4. Bentley, uh, less of a factor than usual, six carries, 19 yards. I told Neil... Judkins, because he's so straight ahead and he's so physical, did a great job against that A&M front. He found lanes. He showed good vision in a very pro way today. Bentley typically gets by with his patience, but A&M was good enough and so fast enough up front that the patience was actually a bad thing. You just had to kind of pick a hole and hit it and hope it worked out. You couldn't take that extra step against that defense. Yeah, I totally agree. Like That was kind of another note, though. I was like, because I do agree with you. For the most part, Bentley, I think, has been more effective for them this year but today I put like this has to be a Judkins day like you could just tell it it was a lot of hit the hole and go and I'm that was another big thing also didn't was it Harris who caught the first that that first drive where Ole Miss scores was it Harris that caught the kind of the wheel route into coverage I don't remember the play I'll just be honest I'm trying uh let's see where's the Yes, Trey Harris. I gave us that. It was the Trey. It was a thirty-nine yarder to Trey Harris, kind of like up the seam, and the the safety came over and caught it in between the corner and the safety. I mean, that was really just kind of. It, it was a Trey Harris day. I mean, he they needed somebody to make big plays one on one, because we talked about it. Like with A and M's defense, they're very good up front. They're good kind of front seven, and I just felt like the other thing I kept writing down was like, how would how would Ole Miss respond? How would A&M respond? And I felt like the only time where 
I wrote down how would Ole Miss respond, whether it was after giving up the blocked field goal for a touchdown, uh, they immediately respond, they get a touchdown there. It felt like every time that I was writing down how would Ole Miss respond, they usually responded. The only time it wasn't was that one three and out. But after that, AM takes their first lead, Ole Miss And then, you know, to me, like that was kind of the story of the game. It's whenever you asked how would the other, how would Ole Miss respond or how would AM respond, Ole Miss responded more times than AM did. And that's the difference yeah. in a three point game. That drive where AM goes, I mean, Ole Miss goes down and gets points after that for, that swing there after the block field goal after the touchdown because it, for the guys that are or whoever was at the game you'll understand this if you weren't there it's hard to really describe it the the energy loss that would be expected on a play like that when that happened because you have to look at what was going on at that point Ole Miss had been dominating that game to such a degree that you're talking about hey go down score go up three scores right here sort of put them away at that at that point you get into a different kind of game the crowd is going crazy A&M's body language is bad you got Jimbo throwing stuff on the sidelines i mean it was it was 98-2 as far as where momentum was going in one direction and crowd goes quiet A&M gets kind of puffed up there was an entire almost like baseball giving up a home run to reverse things sea change with that one play right there and when that happened, it took Dart and that drive getting down there to kind of breathe some life and go, okay. And like, and I think I think this was an emotion game, a momentum game in a lot of ways from that, that standpoint. Because, you know, look, I mean, even Ole Miss got some lift out of the stupid defensive lineman for A&M hitting Pettis in the, in, in the balls. Um, there in yeah. The, you know, I mean, it was, so there were several different ways where you went, hey, use that in a positive way. And Ole Miss did a really good job of doing that today. Yeah, I mean, totally agree because – like the halftime, like you're asking yourself this question of you felt like Ole Miss controlled the game, yet you looked at the scoreboard and it was a six point game. Mm-hmm. And so you're wondering, does that mean something bad for Ole Miss? Does that mean something good for Ole Miss? Like you're trying to kind of weigh it. I think in the end, it really just didn't, it didn't really bode well one way or the other. Like I think AM started figuring out, hey, they're going to have a tough time stretch stopping stretch play. Like the stretch run play was really tough for Ole Miss to stop. Like you got everybody moving one way, they'd cut it back. And I credit A&M's offensive line, who's been maligned all year. Thought they, I thought they played extremely well. And so then it just kind of became, all right. He could kind of sense at the end, it was going to come down to like, who's making plays in the end, who makes game deciding plays. And Ole Miss made way more game decisions today. And I think the other big thing for me was, I don't think Max Johnson played poorly, mm-hmm. but I just had so much more faith in Jackson than I did Max Johnson. Like I felt like A and M was scoring, not necessarily out of Johnson, but like Johnson was along for the ride for A and M to score. Like he did enough. Like he, whereas with Dart, I thought Dart made. I thought Dart was making throws that keeping the thing going. I thought Dart made as good as ma- as many good decisions and throws as he has in any game in his career almost today. Considering what who they're playing, what the talent levels were, everything about that where he had to go get it, he had to every drive felt meaningful in some way. It was almost kind of like a football version of playoff baseball a little bit where you just felt like every sequence was changing momentum one way or the other. And I, I thought Dart was excellent. I mean, he really did. He made perfect decisions most of the day. He was incredibly locked in for the first two and a half quarters there when they was kind of really rolling. And Ole Miss won a game 
where Texas A&M entered the day number one in the SEC in total defense. And Ole Miss won yeah. a game where, starting with the final drive of the second half, Texas A&M's drive chart, touchdown, interception, but a great drive. And then Max Johnson makes that pathetic throw that gets picked off there in the end zone that was absolutely the turning point of the game since Ole Miss won the game. Because, you know, had A&M won, the 14-point the, the swing in the first half would have been the play of the game. But that was the play of the game for Ole Miss to get out of that and kind of catch the breath back, even though they didn't immediately capitalize off of it. And then touchdown, 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 and then field goal attempt. That's it. Those were A&M's drives from the end of the second quarter. And it's an A&M team that found some rhythm for the first time in the second half in a long time. A&M had not scored a second-half touchdown since September the 23rd against Auburn. Um, They'd gone several games without scoring in the second half. They clearly found some things uh, with some adjustments. Golding and the Ole Miss defense had a really hard time uh, adjusting back to that. They were on the field a lot. I thought they got tired. I thought they had some issues in, in that standpoint. And all those things go as they do, and yet you look up and it's Ole Miss 38-35 over A&M. Yeah, I mean, I think another key distinction, when you get into these types of games where one play here, one play there, this game could go either way, oftentimes go look at how teams finish drives. Ole Miss had five red zone attempts, and they get 32 points. A&M had five red zone attempts, they get 21. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that. That's kind of what it really boils down to is like, in a game where there really wasn't much distinction, because there are runs where you can say Ole Miss was clearly the better team. There were runs where I thought you could say A&M was clearly the physically better team. So overall, it ended up being a pretty even game, and that's kind of been the story for this team all year. When it comes down to like finishing drives or when they got to have it, they find themselves making way more plays than the team does, and – you know, I, I take my hats off to him because it, it's been impressive because I kept wondering, like, you know, if they keep playing these, they're not truly coin flip games, but it feels like they're playing these, because we talked about it, a lot of close games. Does the law of averages work against them? And one time they're just going to find themselves on the on the wrong end of it. And I started to think kind of late in the fourth quarter, Today might be that day. I wrote that down at one point there with a couple drives to go as I was making notes. And I, all the credit in the world, like, they didn't. Like, because I really did kind of think, you know, this might be that day where it just kind of evens out. But, I mean, you know, whether it's Dart hanging tough, making big throws, or it was Trey Harris dominating, making plays on the football, whether it was Judkins running the ball hard in between the tackles, like, whether it's, you know, getting pressure on Max Johnson to make him get the ball out of his hands probably before he wants to. And, and, or if it's getting, I don't know, a finger on the, clearly they got a hand on the field goal. It was Xavier Harris. He he did touch it. Yeah. Like that, they just, the way that it came off, it's like, okay, that clearly got tipped, but that's kind of the difference between winning and losing when you got a game that's that close. Georgia has taken the lead. Carson Beck throws it to Lovett. He goes in from about six yards out, 10-7 Bulldogs. I mean, that, that's the the funny part of the conversation we're having is that it is just 10-7. Georgia's got to now win to set up the game that we're all going to be talking about here uh, moving ahead, which I think they will. I think they're going to beat Missouri today. Um, they're in Athens, back-to-back games in Athens for them that are huge, and they get the uh, what will definitely be top-10 Rebels next week. No, I mean, look. Sure, coin flip things happen when you play a bunch of close games. I mean, if you play enough, you're going to lose, da-da-da. That, that, that's very true. But 
when you have a mentality and a mindset and a chemistry that does well in those type of pressure situations, you are going to win more than a team who doesn't. And again, A&M didn't do anything necessarily stupid beyond that one Johnson throw. I mean, this was not one of those A&M games where you went, oh my God, they look like raw hell and what are they doing and how does that even work? I mean, I thought they played relatively well and pretty good football today. They just sort of got beat. They just didn't make enough plays. They weren't as good at the quarterback position as you mentioned with Dart. I mean, that's the thing where... Ole Miss was hit with a different level of adversity because you're at home and you're playing for bigger things and there's so much more pressure on you. There's no pressure on A&M right now. I mean, there, there is pressure on Jimbo. There's not pressure on that roster. Those are two completely different things. They're not playing for playoffs. They're not playing for the Sugar Bowl. They're not playing for the West. They're not playing, really playing for anything. They're just kind of gutting it out and seeing what happens around them as it's sort of crazy. So I, I think, I, I think while well, yes, and I guess I'm admiring and admitting and agreeing with what you're saying, it evens out, but it doesn't when you have such a difference on a situation on what you're what you're doing and how you're handling those situations. Uh, yes, uh, flipping rev the the Kiffin Jimbo handshake where Jimbo acted like he didn't see him before the game was incredibly classic uh, stuff. That yeah, was, but I'm all for that it. was great. Like, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> I think I think we are. Like I'm not willing to say like the whole Saban dynasty, Bama dead, whatnot. But what I do think we are clearly exiting away from is the Sabanization of college football, where it's all buttoned up. It's it's everything's on message. We're now getting into like cut a promo, like it's the WWE era of of college football, which is way more fun, way more entertaining. You know, you got these. I hate to say it, guys. These Matt Rule, these Matt Rule clips that are coming out, like these speeches before the game, they're awesome. Like, but like we're getting guys cutting promos. You know, I hate Ryan Day, but like, you know, hey, like it's content. Like it's it's way more interesting. It's way more fun. And I mean, yeah, like Jimbo doing the whole, oh, hey, didn't see you there. You know, uh, like, hey, how you doing? Like, you know, like I'm in for that. Like, that's great. And then you had, I don't know, because I don't know when you when you got to TV, one of the mics was around an A&M fan. Because, like, you, about every third play, you keep hearing, like, this guy in the background go, Blake Kiffin's a douchebag! And it's like... Oh, know, really? Like, I'm... Yeah, no, was, you could hear it. You could hear it on the, like, the kind of, like, the background noise. So, I, I'm all for this. And... But, like, back to your point on Johnson, I mean, I'm dead serious. Like, that's one of the worst throws I've ever... Like, in terms of decision, timing, like, it was first down, wasn't it? Wasn't it first and goal? It was first or second. I'm not sure. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, that throw was so bad. But that's kind of difference. Like, hey, you got into one of those games, and Jackson didn't do a th- didn't have a throw like that. Like, and in the end, like that might be the the difference between winning and losing. And you are 100 percent right. Like, A and M's finally in this role where they can kind of play spoiler, and they're a pretty threatening spoiler because God, there was. I mean, I I don't know if I buy into the whole, like, lane. Like, there's, you know, that's an NFL roster. Like, he was building them up. But that is one of the four most talented rosters in the league. Like, no question. That is A&M's fourth loss. They are now 5-4 and four on the season. They still got LSU to go for sure. I don't know who else is on this thing, but I know LSU is. Um, I think they get State next week. Ooh. They'll beat, I mean, they'll beat State. Um, what is Will Rogers' availability? I I have no idea. Are they are they like he's hurt? Because yeah, you know, 
clearly, clearly Arnett, like Rodgers and like Rodgers is not an Arnett quarterback. Like he just wants, like basically Arnett just wants to run the option. Like he mm-hmm. should just come out and say like, he wants to be a service Academy. He wants, he wants his offense to just hold the ball so that his defense can bow up. It's like, good luck. Good luck to you, buddy. Missouri is winning some one-on-ones in the past game against Georgia so far. More than I expected them to. I mean, they really are. I mean, it's like it's like right there. Um, no, look, it's yeah. Somebody says it there. I mean, yeah. I think at this point, college football just expects Ole Miss to win a lot of games. I mean, last year appears to be the aberration because of all the stuff that was going on, different things. Now it's season to season because of portal. But yeah, I mean, like again, they're they're a win over state. If nothing else, from another access bowl, that would be two and three years. And I mentioned the home environment, and this is just more about playing well than anything else. But A and M did have some motion penalties; they had to call timeouts because of the crowd today. They they were impacted in, in multiple ways by the crowd. I don't know that I would have predicted um, an Ole Miss stretch at any point of me since I started covering the team in two thousand six that I would go, "Hey, Ole Miss is going to be twenty and two in home games." And they are. They've won twenty no, of their I last know. twenty-two. I, I mean, it is a it is a phenomenal stat of playing well at home, holding serve, and then what Lane Kiffin, outside of a couple of weird things last year, has done is he just beats the teams he's supposed to beat. He is really good at week to week on just taking care of that game and moving on against inferior opponents. Yeah, I do think we need to be careful to act like. I think far too often fan bases think like all of a sudden has been raised mm-hmm. I do agree that he's raised the floor and I think he's probably raised the ceiling like I think I think he's raised the floor of Ole Miss by a full win and I think he's probably raised the ceiling by a full win but I do think some of this is relative like like I I, I also think like there's going to be situations where you're going to have years where you kind of have to reset and cycle. Like, I just don't think this is going to be like all of a sudden you've got this established program. Like, I, I think it is going to ebb and flow a little bit, but there's no question. Like, where Ole Miss also deserves credit is I think they have wildly improved the in-game environment. Like, I, I, I it seems like there's real atmosphere there. Um. It seems like it's louder to me. Like, I don't know if that's more fans getting into it or if it's more because, I mean, that, the stadiums looked like this for four years, five years. When did they finally finish that? Yeah, it's been a while now. Yeah, I mean, I think I was still there when they finished the end zone. So, like, it's not like – but it seems like it's it's demonstrably louder. Um, but, I mean, kind of the thing, like, when we talk about, like, how has Kiffin done it? It's kind of the story of this team this year. Like, they haven't beaten themselves. Their one loss was a game where I thought they physically got beat. Other than that, they've either made more plays to win the game or they have let other teams beat themselves by just being mature. And I think that's what's interesting was, did he make a conscious decision in the portal this year to go older and more experienced rather than just pure talent? Because it does seem like that is part of the story for Ole Miss is the maturity level, despite the fact that, okay, all these guys haven't 
played with each other. Like, it's not like this is a, a group that's played together for four years and now they're getting ready to make their run. But there's just a there's a calamity, there's a maturity about them, and there is, I mean, I know people kind of roll their eyes, but, like, there's a business-like pro approach to it. I just don't sense week to week any any. Like I, I know I've mentioned on Thursday, but like they don't ride the the Hugh waves, the the Houston nut. Mm-hmm. What you know, he, get them up, like you know, like this team is just kind of there every week. Yeah, it's, I mean, what it does is it takes out that weird game. Like I know they've had bad halves and stuff, but sure, Kiffin has been able to avoid the thing where you never go into it and go. God, are they going to have the Hugh Memphis game? Are they going to have the Vanderbilt game where Vanderbilt does something dumb and beats Ole Miss? I mean, he just he just handles those things by keeping them level in such ways. And yes, you're exactly right. And it's they're talking about it in the stream here. I think it's very relevant to next year because that's a valid thing. This was supposed to be a year that Ole Miss won eight, maybe you know nine in a perfect world. Talk some people talk about seven because seven and a half was the Vegas over under eights where most people fell fell for, and they're they're there right now even without State and ULM. So they're clearly going to go over from that standpoint. Next year was going to be the hey Judkins is a junior Dart probably comes back he's this the, you know playoffs first year can they get in the top twelve and they definitely went portal older he he's talked about taking a free agent NFL stance to it of hey the older guys that are more mature hey I've got more film I've got more sample size I understand what they did even if they were at low, lower levels or other places they've shown. Over multiple seasons, they really understand. Jeffrey will be back in a second. He kind of fell through. Um, his internet was not great, so hopefully it's a little better when he comes back. Yeah, Luke, I wasn't saying seven was acceptable. I'm just saying people predicted that was that was possible when you looked at the schedule. But no, Lane 100% picked maturity, older. He had larger sample sizes, and they reconstructed that defense with Pete in that, in that vein of, hey, we're going to have guys that show up. Because here's the thing, too, is when you do that – you lessen the chance of the cancers in your locker room. You've got with these guys who have been around college football for one, two, three, four, five, you know, years where, hey, they are team guys. You can ask so many people about them. You've got this larger sample size to understand because you compare that to, say, a Michael Trigg or a um, Chris Marshall, who crazy talented, obviously crazy talented. Neither one of them there is affecting Ole Miss in any ways that they could be harming. Because, look, Chris Marshall, you had to kick him off. You did it quickly. You, It is what it is. They obviously could use that wide receiver, but but, it, but he's gone. And then with Michael Trigg, you could have let it linger. You could have said, hey, he's so talented. We're just going to keep trying. We're going to keep trying and keep trying. And I think Lane was probably going to do it at the beginning of the season, but he couldn't because Priest Corn was hurt, and they needed the tight end. They needed the body. But when they had the ability, Trigg's removed. Well, it's not just Trigg being removed. It's, hey, he can't impact other guys on the thing. He can't create locker room issues. He can't affect anybody else by doing that. And when that happens, you are. You're looking at so many different levels and parts of roster building that I think that's what we're going to see when when this thing comes for next year, too. Because, yeah, they do. They lose a ton of stuff um, on defense. They lose a ton. A, a, a lot of guys are there are gone on defense this year. But – You've got some dudes back, and then you have the knowledge and the understanding that Lane and Golding did such a good job this year putting that in good spots, um, finding guys that made sense, and there's no there's nothing that says they can't somewhat duplicate that and implement that again. I think that's just sort of the system and the way that thing is playing out for them at this point. So no, I, I think it's a really good point for next year as you kind of look ahead, but I think that you have a proof of concept. That's kind of what I was looking for. 
with Ole Miss and the way they rebuilt defensively that made so much sense that it's a little bit less of a concern than it would have been losing that many guys after last year into this year when you didn't have that proof of concept, you didn't kind of see the same thing, and you didn't know what you were getting into at that point. So I think that played a, uh, a, a large role in that, and I think it'll play a large role into the next season as, as we get there. we got a lot, of, a lot of work to do first. Uh, again, Georgia up next, ULM, and then Mississippi State after that. Uh, again, Ole Miss 38-35. Um, I haven't heard from Jeffrey, so I guess we'll be back in a second. But while we're uh, waiting on that, I'll go through this a little bit because I meant to do it a second ago. Uh, total yards, Ole Miss goes over 500, 518 against the number one total defense in the SEC. A&M 457. A&M runs for 152. Ole Miss runs for 131. Rushing TDs, three apiece there. Passing yards, Max Johnson goes 305. Jackson Dart goes 387 yards per completion. This is pretty crazy. Ole Miss averaged 16 yards per catch today and got uh, 134 yards after the catch today as well. So a huge day again for the Ole Miss wide receivers, mainly Trey Harris. That's that, that that's who it was. It was it was Trey Harris. We can say anybody else, but that's uh, that's who that, that that's who that was. Jeffrey, back with us. I'll get your uh, screen back in. We've been all over the place, uh, but I'll ask you: biggest regular season game next week for Ole Miss, assuming Georgia wins, since whom? So it's either biggest regular season win or biggest regular season game since 2015 Arkansas. Although I would still make the argument that uh, everyone acts like if they just beat Arkansas, that they were going to show up and play Mississippi State the same way that they did. Like I've seen Hugh Freeze teams, that team would have been tight, 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 tight in Starkville that day. But it's either the biggest game since then or they had LSU the biggest to go game that year too. Yeah, and then uh, – or the biggest game since, I don't know, 03 LSU. Okay, here's the thing. The opponent, the ranking, the record, it's the best since something in the 60s. Or Drew says 1990 Tennessee at the term of the SEC championships. Okay, we'll, we'll go there if you want to go there. Um it depends on what you believe to be the chances that Ole Miss has to get into the playoff if they win. That is the question of the question on, like, and again, it's a huge game. I'm not in any way minimizing the sake of this game. And in the world of modern college football, because of everything else, Ole Miss going 11-1 and would be a really freaking big deal. No matter what the outcome of that ends up being, no matter who they play on it, that, that, who, no matter what the bowl is, no matter who they play, any of that stuff. But to say it's the biggest since whatever, you have to legitimately believe that if they went out, they're going to play in the college football playoff. Because if not, then the odds are not very good that they're going to, to Atlanta, that, they rep- that they're going to represent the West. So while the record is huge and the opponent is huge, it's not playing for anything if you don't believe they're getting into the playoff. Does that make sense, Jeffrey? Because you're not playing for the yeah, West, no, you're not playing I- for the SEC. I mean, like the stakes are what they are. But it's not the same of, hey, that team in in, in 03, if they beat LSU, they were in. You know, if you beat Arkansas, you just got State and LSU and you're in in 15. All those different things, you have to sit there and go, nope, we're going to go 11-1. and There's going to be chaos and we're going to end up in the top four in the country. And because of that, this is why this is the biggest game ever. I don't know. Up to you. Somebody, Matt, says 2014 Auburn was number three against number four. Okay. Again, we can throw that in the pile if you want to. 
that's fine. It's just, it, it, that, that's where you have to decide. You can't simply look at it and go, oh, well, it's number seven against number two, so it's the biggest ever. No, it's got to, you, you've got to determine and decide that you have stakes on it to call it what you're wanting to call it. It's like Jeffrey uh, fell out again. All good. No uh, no big deal. We'll get him back. Just having a little bit of uh, internet deal there. You're back. All right, sorry, we're going hardwired now. Um, No, you and I see this the same way. Like, on the one hand, wouldn't it be, like, perfect for Ole Miss's 11-1 season to be a year they still didn't go to Atlanta? And, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, everyone can keep making their jokes. Like, on the one hand, like, that is, like, ironic and hilarious. I don't know. I mean, I think Ole Miss is now at the point where... It, it is peak college football real quick for, yes, Correct. like the Arkansas team who went to Atlanta at 5-3 and three to talk crap to the 11-1 and one Ole Miss team. They won in Athens. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. It's like, like, okay. like, like, like <laughs> Ole Miss has gone 7-1 and one and did not get into the SEC championship game. I believe Mississippi State's both appearances are 6-2. and two. Like State One might have been 6-2. They did have 7 No, they just have one yeah, appearance, one. 98. Yeah, and I think they were 6-2. and two. Yeah. Like, so, like, we can do this. I the, I think you just have to keep approaching it. Like, the odds are stacked against you. But this kind of feels like a year where, I don't know, like, go 11-1 and one and see where the chips fall. Like, if you go 11-1 and one and you've got wins, you know, wins over Georgia at Georgia, no one will have a better win than that, probably. I mean, I guess you could – if if Alabama finishes eleven and one, maybe you can make the argument Texas has the bigger win. But literally, no one has won at Georgia since twenty eighteen. We have five years where no one's won there. So how how is anyone going to have a bigger win? And like it's you kind of do the thing. It's like you go eleven and one and see where the chips fall. I find it. I know, like when you play the scenarios out. It feels kind of daunting. I think if you go eleven and one and you got all those wins, I think you're getting in the playoff. And your loss is at Alabama, who in this scenario is going ten or two, ten and two or eleven and one, one or the other. Correct. Correct. Because Ole Miss has a hard time getting in either way. Alabama wins out and they're in, or Alabama loses to LSU tonight and they're ten and two, but they still LSU. Actually, LSU ends up in the playoff. I mean, in the championship game at that point. Which, you know, I mean, hey, but then that's kind of like, hey, we beat the team that, you know what I mean? Like, then you beat both SEC participants. Correct. Like, that kind of works in your favor. Like, at a certain, at a certain, and by the way, it's not like you beat them both at home. You would beat both one on the, one at home and one on the road. And so, like, maybe that kind of plays into your favor. Like, it does kind of show, like, we probably need to get to the get rid of the divisions sooner rather than later. There's no doubt about that. I do think this is creating, I mean, un- under this hypothetical that we're discussing, is we are proving that next year is good in all ways. Get rid of the divisions, let the two best teams just play, because Ole Miss would be in really good shape at that point. And then second, the four-team playoff has a chance to really, really, really screw somebody right here. Oh, yeah. One no, way I mean, or the other. It's, because it's very possible that, you know, under the scenario we're talking about, Georgia goes 11-1, and one, loses to Ole Miss, but then beats LSU or Alabama in the championship game, and they go over the other 11-1 team, team that beat them in Athens because they won the Correct. SEC. Correct. 
I mean, it, but it, it never made sense to have a four-team playoff when at the time you had five power leagues. Like, that never made – four never made sense. Like, so here we are. But, I mean, that's that's kind of the nature of the sport is, you know, more times than not, the decision makers are going to make decisions that do not uh, work for the best of the sport. Yeah, Ashim Young has been off. Uh, I, he's I don't know if they just not got put off the roster. He's been off the team for a week or two weeks or whatever it was that we reported that. I guess it was Vanderbilt last week. Um, multiple players were disciplined at that point um, for repeated issues, including some uh, some curfew stuff the night before. And uh, Ashim is the one that we're 100 percent sure of is no longer with the uh, the program. So. Yes, the former Iowa State defensive back. He didn't have a pro mindset? Did not have a pro mindset. No, especially not last week, it uh, it, it appears. I mean, look, from a program standpoint, take out the playoff. Does 10-2 versus 11-1 matter? Does that elevate a program in any way, one game? Yeah, I kind of think it does because to me, like the reason why I think it elevates the program is we can nitpick, like, you know, I, I can – I can make fun of Hughes' 10-win season, but, like, we've seen multiple 10-win seasons. We've seen Cut have one. We've seen Hugh have one. We've seen Lane have one. We have not seen an 11-win season since integration. Like, no, since you've, SEC. Like, you've never. Yeah, never. Like, so. Never. Yeah. I, I, Here, I, look, look, look. It, it's a little bit of a crap stat because I get we've only been playing 12 games for a couple yeah, decades. Yeah, sure. Like, I, I understand. If Lane Kiffin just beats ULM and beats Mississippi State, take the Georgia game out. He is the only coach in program history to win 10 regular season games, and he will have done it twice in a three-year period. Yes. The stat is the stat. Yes, and yet a significant part of this fan base still thinks like Hugh took them to highs that they've never been to. Yeah, I mean, Lane's already eclipsed that because he's guaranteed a better season right now, no matter, frankly, what happens at this point. Um, barring something crazy. And yeah, I mean, Larry Joe makes a good point. It's not just 11-1. It's 11-1 beating Georgia because I get it's just one week. But it's one week and it's one year that Walker Jones and all those guys and whatever, if if this scenario that we're just hypothetically talking about happens, Ole Miss overtakes the college football world next week in a way that they never have. Not 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 where you beat Florida that day, not the same thing. Nothing like what no, will happen. Even you, the, yeah, no, no, no. Not the, the same out- as going into Athens and going, nope, we beat Georgia there, you're 9-1, whatever it is. Well, even the day that they beat Alabama at home, like, that's an amazing day for fans that were in attendance. Like, that was an exorcism of demons, and that was like a day that everyone that was in attendance will never forget. The sure. problem is, like, State State was the state came out as the number one team that weekend. Like, it wasn't like... You would literally be doing something that hasn't been done in Athens in five years. You would be beating this team for the first time, what, since the SEC championship game in 2021. So we're talking about, I mean, I'm making the assumption that that Georgia holds on here. But yeah, sure. Yes, you, you would be the single biggest story of college football next week. Unless yes, Missouri I mean, if, if Missouri – you, you know, I have a hard time liking Missouri anyway. Missouri knocks off Georgia, and, like, it just kills the whole damn narrative. And it's like, okay, this was a dud. Um, 
in some way. But I mean, I still think Georgia's going to win the football game. I just, I'm, I, I'm not okay with a world where Drinkwitz goes into Athens and wins. Sorry, I just can't. Do I, it. I am with you. I will say, I this got more looks, faith. This is this is worrying me the way it looks than I thought I would be. I agree. I have more faith in Missouri making it like. In the games where Georgia's kind of been shaky and wobbly, like Auburn, I never had any faith in that they were going to make a passing play. I do, I do think Missouri can make enough enough plays in the pass game where I sit there and I will entertain. If we get to the third quarter and this is still a one score game, I won't just, I will not feel as good as I did that Georgia was going to beat Auburn as I would Georgia beating Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> Daniel Cotto, I appreciate it, fellas, but we're giving ourselves way too much hope right now. Now look the. The hope is the other side of this. Like I said, you go 10-2 and two without the win in Athens. Next week is a complete free shot. Just beat State. Don't do anything stupid down there. Win the game. Don't lay an egg in some point. And it, it, it's still 10-2, and two, and it's the Cotton Bowl, or it's the Peach Bowl, or it's the Orange Bowl. That's a big yeah, just pray that just, just pray it's 10-2, and two and it's not uh, it's 10-2 and two and not against the G5 champion. Whatever that one, you know, whatever the whatever the root for Tulane, root for the wave, because you can't yeah. have a rematch. So that you don't, you don't, yeah, yeah. What is Tulane's score, by the way? They were down to East Carolina early. Have they come back? Uh, uh let me. Check. I believe that's is that on the U or is that ESPN two? I have no idea. All right, U. We also, what is the two. update on Army and Air Force? Air Force was down big early. Have they started coming back against East, the, East, the Black Knights? East Carolina. East Carolina is up ten to seven with four oh eight remaining in the first half. The Pirates have the football. Listen, I know y'all may not keep up with AAC football, but let me tell you what: dreams go to die in Greenville, North Carolina. That is uh, <laughs> that's one of the worst trips that you can possibly make. Uh, let's see; it was twenty three to three last I looked with Army and Air Force. So we really need. We're of course obviously rooting for the clock in that game. Um, 23 to 3 with 550 remaining in the third quarter. Air Force has the ball at the 32 of Army. It's first and 10 and Larrier or whatever is runs for four. Okay. And then No, but, yeah. but but back to your back to your original point like Walker Walker Jones and the Mizzou collective is in the red zone by the way. Yeah, no they're throwing it up one on one incomplete. Uh Georgia's not covering him as well as I thought they would. Yeah. Uh, which might mean those receivers are pretty good. I, it's more than just Lane Kiffin. It's more than just, um, you know, the buy-in of the players and, and whatnot. Like, where Ole Miss deserves a lot of credit is they have actually, in my opinion, and I think it, it was going to take someone like Lane to do it. It was going to take someone that can kind of, like, I think you almost need like the the guy that plays hard to get. Like Hugh wanted to be lovey dovey with all the money people and whatnot, but like there's kind of an element of like we gotta keep Lane happy. We gotta keep Lane happy. And I don't know if this is a top ten job right now, but if you look at the amount of money the collective has, if you look at what they're doing in terms of a job they have elevated the Ole Miss job to a level that we've never seen before. Or we've never seen since 
integration of SEC or since if you want to do expansion. But like the Ole Miss job right now, like again, is it top ten in NIL money? No, but it's like top fifteen, and this is the best the job's ever been. And I do think it took someone like Lane where you kind of have to be on your toes a little bit. Like we got to keep him happy. We got to keep him happy. And I give credit to all the Ole Miss people that have bought in because that to me is the biggest story of why Ole Miss is where they are. Like, yeah, maybe they could have with a little bit more money, they could have got Keon Coleman, but like, I don't know. Trey Harris seemed to look pretty good today. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was, I saw earlier, earlier in the thing, they were asking Trey Harris or Laquan Treadwell. Um, well, Trey after Laquan got hurt. Yeah, if it's pre-injury, it's still that's Quan. different. Yeah, I mean, I just—I don't know. I mean, I would say this: like Trey's a better teammate. Yeah, they've got a really I mean, good group. Like that—that's the thing here. That again, it's back to the earlier question. They have a really good, especially in the offense roster of guys who have bought in so well because Dart is just a competitive MFer who he's taken in control of the program in such a way that, I mean, frankly, you forget there was even the talk about any kind of quarterback stuff in the preseason at this point. Uh, well, like, they've got the about wide receivers when Jackson, who are bought. Yeah, th- go ahead. Think about how you felt today, all the fans out there. Think about how you felt today when you thought he was hurt. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
Not good. I mean, it didn't feel better for no everybody because because uh, Spencer Sanders was on the sidelines. Correct. Correct. You're si- especially because at that point he was like he was in fuego. Uh, Tupelo. My point was Watkins is fully bought in. He's a second year guy, and then I, that entire you know a lot of the offensive line is guys who had been around for a long time. There is it's not like the Corral Sam Williams kind of leading the team, but there is some continuity that is very program first there. Especially on that offensive side. Tupelo Reb, does anyone... Uh, no, sorry, wrong question. You had something else. Is there a strength of Ole offense that can force Georgia's defense back to a wall? I mean, we're seeing Missouri just win some one-on-ones on the outside and kind of throw on them a little bit. And if you do that, it is going to soften it up enough for you to run the football. I think Ole Miss has got to throw I mean, to run next week. I mean, if you're going to beat Georgia, you are going to have to throw the ball down the field. Like, that's... The, the same rules that applied for beating Alabama in the mid 2000s or mid 20s I don't know how we call I don't know how we refer to it the same rules that apply which is you got to beat them vertically receivers are gonna have to win one-on-one and you got to get chunk plays the same rules apply to Georgia like if you look at Georgia's one loss is to Alabama in that SEC championship game why because Jamison Williams Williamson had like I don't know 300 yards it felt like on deep shots like it wasn't necessarily Alabama just beat them down to down it was they just they hit a bunch of deep shots and that just changed the game fourth and 11 for Missouri you might be ahead of me so they might have already kicked yeah, now, it's but... field goal is good it's 10 10 okay 10 10 Georgia and Missouri Georgia getting it back there in the uh, in the first half, I was not aware of that. Jay Young with the super chat, he says uh, the collective has stopped auto pays. Need to uh, fix that. I was not aware of that. Yeah, look from a collective standpoint, it's the. I was talking to somebody about this thing at the M Club thing on Thursday night, and this isn't just an Ole Miss problem; it's a national problem. It's not even all the money coming into the school, but it's what percentage goes to what sport and what's earmarked, and how they have such a weird impact on each other because Lane Kiffin throwing up a ten and two or eleven one. The the person impacted the most by that is Chris Beard. Yes, agreed, 100%. Because there's not money. I mean, you pick and choose and whatever. Whereas had Kippen gone seven and five, Chris Beard's rolling in it differently today. Totally different oh, yeah. deal. Well, I mean, you're well, you're gonna you ride the hot hand in the collective. I bet Chris Beard would say he was finding it a lot easier in March than he is uh, right now. Yeah, when there were people unhappy, you know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah, there's there are people unhappy with Lane, and I think rightfully so. Like, I, I don't want to make that seem like, you know, I mean, I, I totally get getting irritated by the whole flirting with every job that comes open. Um, no, I, I get it. But like, hey, you know, this is like, I, I think I would make the argument like that's probably why Lane's a little bit better to maximize the Ole Miss job than probably anyone else. Because, you know, part of the whole like, we just want to hear him say he loves us. It's like. I don't. He's probably not going to say that, but at the same time, is that he might get the most and maximize the job the most because everyone's kind of like, well, we got to keep him happy. I will say this: he was. It, it wasn't an act. He was emotional after that game today, like getting the win, pulling it off, and that wasn't just hate Jimbo. I think it's everybody responding to the things that he sort of been apparent about in a way, you know, to the fan base. Hey, show up, get there, help, blah, 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 all, all that kind of stuff. It, there's been some tough love back and forth between the two entities. And I, I thought, you know, look, I'm not saying Lane's staying for 20 more years or anything. Don't get me wrong. But he is more comfortable here than he has ever been. And that was a very legitimate, emotional, thankful, kind of heart, heartfelt Lane Kiffin there when that game ended. 
Yeah, I would make I'd make the point that uh, twofold. One, I think he might have been feeling the same things that you and I were talking about the game, where it's like I, I, he's seen a lot of football games in his life, and I bet he's seen a lot of times where that game goes against him, and he's probably getting a little emotional because, like, hey, like he like the first thing he said, like when he had the interview with Katie George's. This is a special group. Like, it's a fun group to coach. And I am I would imagine part of that emotion is the fact that, like, he might have had some doubts that, hey, it's going to get done this time again. Like, at a certain point, like, you know, you do start losing some coin flips, and this team doesn't lose those coin flips. And then I do totally think that you're right. Like, he's even admitted he's already stayed here longer probably than he ever thought. Like, Again, I'm not sitting here going to go like, oh, this guy's never leaving. Like, I feel like, you know, like that, that would just be so, like, misguided and naive to say that. But at the same time, like, I think even he acknowledges that Ole Miss has stepped up and even made this a better job than when he took it. I think he is aware of that as well. You mean his the ceiling has gone up higher than maybe he thought at the moment, the day Correct. he signed the contract or whatever? Correct. We're getting some uh, some crying over there. She have the over in Georgia, Missouri. Field goals are bad. We're trying to get touchdowns here, Jeff. Uh, no, I laid fifteen. Okay. I just heard the little um, one pipe well, up. I was trying to figure out what we were what we were reacting to. Oh, well, she's she's reacting to. We have the under in Army and Air Force, and we started with twenty points. Now we're not dead yet. Like we're we're on life support. We've got the paddles out. We've got the defibrillator. We have a we 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 have a very faint heartbeat. But yes, that is definitely what she's crying about. Like <laughs> we're at twenty six and we have thirty two and a half. Auburn beating Vanderbilt fourteen seven. Doris says, "Okay." I I everyone that tried to make that the game. Uh uh-uh. uh. I got next week circled. Arkansas got a win today. Got got feeling a little better about themselves. That plane ride Still, back to Fayetteville will be a little nicer. Still playing for bowl eligibility. That's the one I got circled. Can't you see it now? It's like 42 and raining in Fayetteville. It's a nice like little 3 o'clock SEC network game. That's where dreams go to die. Let's talk about A&M for a second. Falls to 5-4. Right. The rest of their schedule, Mississippi State, Abilene Christian, and LSU. They'll get no points at all for beating State with that fan base because State sucks. Uh, Abilene Christian, that'll be not a full Kyle Field. And then that's in Baton Rouge. A&M has got to beat LSU in Baton Rouge to keep from going 7-5. and five. And Jimbo, whatever his job situation is, he did literally nothing but harm it this season in 2023. Yeah, you can make the argument, though. A big part of it, uh, you know, his quarterback did get hurt. And there's clearly a very big difference between Wegman and Max Johnson. Um, you know, doesn't it also feel like, I mean, to me, like a big part of the, the A&M story is what happens to LSU if LSU loses tonight? Like, I, I got them winning, but, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I've, I will be stunned if Alabama wins that game. Like, I, I, I just wouldn't be that way, but – what happens to LSU when they don't have a whole lot to play for? Um, Third loss. 
You know what I mean? Like, uh, then all of a sudden it's eight and four. You beat LSU. Your fan base cares about that game. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no question he has not maximized the job. Like, if we're talking about what Lane has done at Ole Miss, like, I think Lane has gotten the most out of the Ole Miss job that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Does that mean that there's not a little bit more they could get? Sure. Why, why not? Why not think that it can't keep going? Obviously, Jimbo's not done that with A&M. With that said, like, I just don't buy into this whole you're going to spend $70 million to fire him to go hire, like, Mike Elko. Like, I, I, I just don't buy into that. Like, I think that their natural instinct is they want to make it work with him. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite teams, whether you're tailgating at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home. Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea. The drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football, keep it twisted. So if like they see a little bit of anything, they'll you know they'll keep going. But I don't know. Like at a certain point, maybe the A and M job is what the A and M job is. Like always, they always been. recruit. They always recruit really well. They've always had money, and it feels like it's always just kind of an eight and four ish type team. No matter how good, like you get Manziel that year, they go ten and two. But like. Other than that, they were eight and four, nine and three. Like it, it's been basically the same program since they were in the Big Twelve. Uh, Wesley, we're sure waiting on Neil. He uh, will be there soon. He's back up in the press box after the press conference. Clearly, after a win like that, it took a little longer to get done. So he is uh, getting a uh, bit of content up, and then he will be with us here shortly. Um, at that point, um, Bama does not clinch the SEC West with a win tonight. But if they won tonight, Ole Miss would have to win out, and Alabama would have to lose to Kentucky and Auburn at that point. A win over Kentucky or Auburn would clinch. So, yeah. No, yeah. probably. Yeah. it's it, That that part not, is a technicality. I, I, would, I would be stunned if they lost either of those games. Does A&M's collective ever suffer? Or do they just keep pouring more and more and more and more and more and more and beating their head against the wall? Like Jimbo, I mean, does he have the it, same revenue next year, even after another seven and five? Probably. I mean, I don't know. What's the price of oil right now? Yeah. I mean, probably. I mean, uh, it just has never seemed like it's ever been a, a question of do they have enough money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think. I think the problem that A&M has is, yes, they have lots of talent. The problem is, like, they're all kind of mercenaries. Like, I just, I've never gotten the sense that the the players that wind up at A&M, it's like, you know what their dream was? Their dream was to, like, gig them and to tell everyone howdy. Like, it seems to me there's a very different... There's a very different collection of people in this A&M stands versus on the football team. And so if you're not winning at the highest level, like I think that there's a tendency 
there's a tendency to like have it fall apart quickly. We kind of see the same thing like at Auburn. Like when it goes south on Auburn, it goes really south. And I think it's kind of the same type thing. It's like you end up getting a lot of mercenaries, and if it doesn't click, I mean, let's look at their losses, though. Like they've lost to Miami, who is extremely talented roster. They lose at that one on the road. They lose to Ole Miss on the road in a 38-35 game. It was, you know, another one-score game. They lose to Alabama in a game that was horribly mismanaged by Jimbo. And then what's the other loss? Mm, Tennessee. Oh, they lost to Tennessee. Tennessee. They lost to Tennessee in Knoxville. Like another – I I know it's fun to make fun of them. Like, I – and I don't, like – Anyone that wants to make fun of them, like enjoy college football the way you do. That's not a bad team. Like that that team is. I don't like. That's a pretty tough schedule. But it's imp- it's impossible to be bad with their talent. The point is, like, no, you're losing every coin flip. That's the problem. Yeah. Is it like the, yeah, but, yeah, sure, but they're yeah, but one they of those are, teams too. How many how many coin flips does Ole Miss win with their backup quarterback? I mean, I get it, and I guess that's the thing. I know it's, it's, like, it, it, it's a multi-year sample size more than simply this relative season. No, I get it. They look like they they look like A and M every year. Like, I get that, but like, let's also contextualize last year. Like, yes, last year they lose to App State, and it was hilarious. And they don't make a bowl game. They played four quarterbacks last year because of injury, not because of finding the right guy. Like. I just think that if, if a lot of teams are going to struggle with those set of circumstances. Yes, uh, as mentioned in the stream, uh, Iowa Northwestern opened at 29.5. It moved to 30 or 31 before close, and it is 0-0 at halftime right now between the Hawkeyes and the Wildcats there in Evanston, Illinois. Has <laughs> anyone got a ch- is that What's that on? Big Ten alternate? <laughs> There's no doubt in your mind, like, I get the notoriety from it. The answer is saving. But outside that, no doubt that if Lane could pick 3-0 and against the coaches, Jimbo, right? Yeah. If, and frankly, if, if he had to be 3-0 and against one and 0-3 against the other, he would rather this than the other side. Oh, no, he'd take 3-0 and versus Saban over 3-0 and versus Jimbo. But if you're taking that out, yes, there's no one else. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, because, like, part of it is, is, like, he views – Jimbo doesn't maximize the job, and he does maximize his job. What channel is that Northwestern Iowa game on? I mean, I, I got to get a look. I got to get eyeballs. Where is get Iowa Northwestern, guys? Uh, Georgia I got, I cannot. See this. Uh, Georgia's going to punt with 52 seconds to go in the uh, first half right now. Again, 10-10 um, Tigers. Maybe this is FS, FS2, maybe. Mm. It's halftime right now, though. Yeah, but so you, I need I need to I need to know where this bad boy is. You get time to get your popcorn. Uh, LSU Alabama. Is there a final thought on that? Peacock. Randy says. Oh, it's on the cock. That explains it. Uh, I mean, to me, it's a question of can Alabama like does this game? Where does this game settle in points wise? If this game's in the thirties, I like LSU. If this game's in the twenties, I like Alabama. Oh, dear God, Luke says the end game over under on Iowa Northwestern is 14 and a half. 
Sounds like I need to go get a live under. Four. Oh How my are, god! They didn't score. They scored zero points in the first half. How are they scoring two touchdowns? Plus. Correct. That's Plus not a enough. Hook. <laughs> Where's the cock? I gotta find the cock. Fourteen and a half. That is unbelievable. That is. Uh, let me tell you what. That's what NBC paid for. When they when they wanted Big Ten football, they wanted some Big Ten West. Just going at the half, nothing, nothing. Oh, there she blows. Oh, it's at Wrigley Field, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, look. Oh, yeah. couple things there from the stream. One, I know that you guys probably feel like nobody ever misses a kick against you, but I swear I, I felt the entire time A&M was not going to make that kick. I, I did I not agree. expect overtime today. I thought that was a miss. I agree. I mean, uh, there's I just... just something about. I, I also kind of like A and M played well. Almost played better. Like very rarely do you see like that kind of game where it's like usually kind of the the ball bounces the way it's supposed to bounce. Somebody says Iowa. Like college sorry, football's a weird sport. Uh... Northwestern, 29 yards in the first half. I'm pulling up a box score because now I need details. Oklahoma State, by the way, is beating Oklahoma 17-14 with 328 to go in the second quarter currently. Um, In that one, one second, let's get this up. And then a couple of you guys were mentioning more officiating questions. Look, I thought all the catches were correct. I thought A&M caught that ball. Um, Gaddy did not secure the interception prior to going out of bounds. I mean, tough break for Ole Miss, but he didn't catch it. Uh, the holdings, at least two of them, were complete crap, including the one on Priestcorn that I don't even understand what he could have been looking at at that point to throw a flag. He did not touch him. That defensive holding on Ole Miss was nothing. Because it's where A&M ended up with more penalty yards because they did a bunch of makeup calls. But the initial penalty hurt Ole Miss and was much more impactful than the makeup call simply reverted things back to that situation at the time. Like it would it was it was it's kind of uneven in those makeup calls at that point. Um but the issue is that there was nothing I mean, while well, sometimes I kind of played in your conspiracy because I like it and it's kind of fun. The SEC needed Ole Miss to win that football game. They need access bowl members. This this is the way I would always describe it. I bet on Ole Miss. I didn't feel like I got screwed. Like I, I thought all the reviews. I thought they got the calls right. Like, like you know, part of the reason why Ole Miss leads the leads the conference in penalties per game and penalty yards, they run more plays. Like, oh, like you know what? Pettis holds a lot, and you know what? Another problem is. The league knows that he holds a lot, and coaches, as we see now in this world of Michigan and the snitch culture, coaches bitch and whine a lot. And they bitch and whine about Pettis to the league office that he holds a lot, and guess what they watch? It's not a conspiracy. Did not know that stat. Last three seasons, Ole Miss 7-2 against LSU, A&M, and Auburn. I guess it's true. I just didn't think about it and run it through like that. I don't remember the hold or whatever it was on Bentley's touchdown. I don't. Re- I, I don't remember the first one. I don't think I ever saw it because it was. Look, you can get a penalty called being on the back Dude. side of the play. That doesn't keep you out of the penalty. Um, but I didn't. I don't remember. It was on it, it James, was on, but I don't remember. 
I remember in live going, that's a hold. Like, it's coming back. Like, I remember thinking live. Somebody mentioned on the board that soccer does a thing where if you don't, if you get off sides but don't impact, you don't participate in the play, you're not technically off sides, they don't call it. That is giving way too much responsibility to officiating to go, hey, it has to be involved in the play to call the penalty. Um, Guys, we're we're losing the plot here. What? Like, hey, look, let's think of all <laughs> let's think of all the ways that we could make officiating even more difficult and bring even more subjectivity into it. Like, okay, you ready for these? Deacon Hill is the Iowa quarterback. I guess you were aware of that, right? Yes, he's uh he is beautiful. He weighs about 285 and he throws maybe one of the ugliest footballs I've ever seen. 6 of 10 for 25 yards, averaging 2.5 per attempt. Uh their leading rusher does have 13 for 41, okay? It's LaShawn Williams having a bit of a day. Hayden Large, one catch, 15 yards to lead the uh, Iowa team. And for Northwestern, Brendan Sullivan, four for eight for 15 yards. And Cam Porter, six for 23 yards. That is your that is your so offensive stat sheet for the uh, Hawkeyes and the Wildcats today. You got Do you got any yards per play there? Uh, probably can. Give me one second. I can probably come up with that. Um... By the way, neither team is under 500 overall. They're both winning games no, both teams, to some extent. I think both both teams, I believe, still have a chance to win the West. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I think they're both still alive. I mean, I think technically everyone is still alive in the West. So 34 plays, 81 yards for Iowa. So it's so, under three yards a play. It's under three yards. <laughs> And then, uh, let's see, Northwestern, 8 plus 4, 22 plays, 29 yards. Under 2 yards a play. Yeah, 22 for 29. (laughs) But Iowa is doubling them up in yardage. Okay. I mean, look, I think Iowa's going to win the football game. I'm taking the live under. I'm going to see if I can get it. Would y'all say it was 14 and a half? 14 and a half. Based on... Based on everything that you just read, there is no way that game is going over, even if it's 14 and a half. Let's see. College football. Uh, oh, heck yeah. Let's see. Uh, it's only 14 on my book, but whatever. Under. You still taking it? Oh, yeah. Listen, it's not like that hook was what I was really worried about. Let's see. Yeah, that's where we are on that. Uh, anything I missed from Florida, Arkansas earlier today? Um, not really. I mean, Arkansas flipped the game early. They Arkansas had a great start to the game where they went right down and scored, and then they got a defensive like a strip set, like a they stripped the ball from a receiver and then ran it back to the house. Um. Florida missed a kick uh, to win the game in regulation. It's just kind of like a back and forth, kind of like sloppy 11 a.m. Like turnovers were were kind of abound, but I don't know. Like it's like you could have put the jerseys on either team. The teams look the same. It's a bad loss for Napier. 
he had sort of righted it enough oh, yeah. at least what what direction felt like they were going, and that just completely annihilated it at that point. Just, just kind of nothing. Uh, what's our number two TV tonight? We got LSU, obviously, but people going out, people hanging in. What else are we watching? Uh, I'm watching USC Washington. Um, I'm looking forward to losing like my seventh bet on USC this year. Um, I think there's one other good one tonight, isn't there? Um, uh, well, like late night. Uh, oh, I will be betting my Beebs after watching. That's the most Dion. My my son's the quarterback move of all time. Where like my son finally had a bad game, and I'm going to change the offensive coordinator to Pat Shermer. <laughs> Pat freaking Shermer. Ugh. Guy's never seen like a two yard hitch route that he never thought was open. Um, well, and removing that. the guy who you brought in who was an head, was a head coach at the D one level. I mean, not only that, like Sean Lewis is a good court. Like, like uh, that that just is like the classic. Like, my son's the quarterback, and he started to take a little criticism. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna flip that. Uh, I mean, I made twenty one bets this weekend, so I've got. Oh, I also bet on. Uh, after I saw Ryan Walters like started whining and complaining about Michigan, I bet Michigan tonight. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'll watch State Kentucky on like a auxiliary TV. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, is State yeah. going to stay alive for a bowl game? Like, I know, I know that's your favorite stat in all sports. Is State going to keep their bowl streak alive? Yeah, what's their APR? This year, are they okay at five, or do they need six? I, I think they did away with the five and seven. Oh, really? Is that over? We just don't feel it. Yeah, now? I think. I okay. I think now because like there's enough like G five teams that have six wins. I think they did away with that. Jeremy says Jackson Dart was putting out videos saying money doesn't win you ball games after the game. Um, it's fair. I mean, let's not act like the Ole Miss roster is poor. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, like, come on, y'all. Let's let's have let's have a let's have a little context. I mean, not the little engine that could at this point. This yeah, is I mean, like, is. you know, this is this is like the this is like the Cardinals like calling out like uh, you know, yeah, we got a hundred twenty million dollar payroll, but like we're not the Dodgers. It's like, yeah, we're not poor. Come on. I was looking again, uh, and they they don't play next season. Ole Miss does not play A&M. A&M next year. So no A&M, no Alabama, no Auburn for Ole Miss next year. No A&M, no Alabama, no Auburn. Yeah, Ole Miss's uh, conference teams at Arkansas, at Florida, at LSU, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Oklahoma at South Carolina. I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable. I mean, the biggest question is, are they gonna are they gonna move to nine next year? Well, they're not for next year for sure. It's twenty twenty five that it might or may not happen. They can always if ESPN calls and says they want that ninth game, do whatever it is they tell you at that moment. I mean, remember when they told us they couldn't change the schedule? Uh, and then uh, COVID happened, and they announced a new 10-game schedule in, like, a month. It's amazing what they can and can't do. Yeah, it doesn't take a long time necessarily, does it? 
Correct. Now, I suspect that you're correct because of the buy games and whatnot, but I would be surprised. Also, Neil will be here soon. Last couple of things. Uh, I mean, outside of Missouri shocking you, what is sort of just your early two or three minute take on this Ole Miss Georgia thing for next week? Um, how does Ole Miss handle a very physical defense that plays a lot of man? I mean, they're going to basically play similarly to what Alabama did to you. Now, I think Alabama's defensive front's better than Georgia's, but you know, are they going to be able to? How does how does Ole Miss move the football? Um, you know, do they do they make enough plays in the passing game to uh, to keep it interesting? And then, you know, can can Ole Miss stop the run? Georgia's not been a great running team. Um, it's probably going to be the best quarterback you've seen all year. Um. I don't know. I mean, what? I think it'll. I think the line will be pretty. Like what? It'll probably be fourteen and a half, fifteen. I, I bet. I bet it'll be similar um, to the Missouri line. Maybe even a touch or two lower. It wouldn't shock me I if think, you got like a twelve. I think Ole Miss and Missouri power rate pretty similarly. Like we can do. We can disagree whether we think that's right, but I think like power ratings wise, I think they're pretty similar. I guess I'm saying with this game, unless Georgia blows them out in the second half like crazy, with it being competitive and close it might it might inch that line down just from a perception standpoint because somebody the week before goes oh well Missouri's within whatever and that means Ole Miss you know what I mean you're trying to get 50 on both sides so you could you could play that down a little bit um I'll I'll guess 13 something like that I think is probably where I would uh would be with that yeah I mean the the, the second half matters to you uh last thing and I will let you go somebody asked Grizzlies update they gonna sell what are they doing I mean, the problem is like you can't just you can't just say like we're tanking on the season because like that sends a horrible message to Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, and Ja Morant. Like, yeah, part of the reason you're in the problem that you're in is Ja Morant. The biggest problem that the Grizzlies have is they have let way more good players leave than they've brought in. Like, I think the Marcus Smart thing is going to work once they get him off the ball, but like. You know, they shouldn't have let Kyle Anderson go. They should not have let DeAnthony Melton go. Like, in the end, like, D- Dylan was going to leave because of the money. Like, that's fine. And, like, gets you gets rid of the headache. But, like, they've been they've been horrible in the last two drafts. They tried to go smartest men in the room and taking, like, Jake LaRavia and David Roddy. Um, so they're kind of paying for their sins. Of they, thought they, were, they thought they were better at evaluating talent than they are. And this team kind of – it stinks right now. Like, the back end of their roster is like a G League team, and that's why they're sitting there playing last night in Portland like it's game seven of a playoff series and they're still losing. It kind of takes the toll, the juice out of the city in general, doesn't it? I mean, like, it's kind of what the, the thing oh. you had, like, whatever. And, I mean, you're just like, ugh. Everything is – Memphis sports right now is very boring. Like, there's just no buzz, anything. I mean, hate you have five hours of radio to kill doing that. Yeah, that's it's 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 also awesome when like that's your like livelihood. Yeah, appreciate it, bud. Give me a lot of time. All right, guys. Talk soon. Jeffrey Wright there joining us again. Uh, Neil will be here uh, soon. What are you? Uh, what are you? What are you drinking? What's going on in the stream? Where are you hanging out? Kind of give me some update. Anybody out in town? I mean, I, I'm I'm getting texts that it's uh, quite quite busy. Uh, 
quite the scene there uh, downtown in Oxford after 38-35 win over um, Texas A&M. So get me back on the screen here. Hang out, wait on Mr. McCready to uh, join us, which should be a few minutes. I was looking. Story is in the admin. Looks like he's in the editing process of getting that up right now. As uh, yeah, the press conference ran pretty long. The only thing that I know for sure Lane had said was he confirmed that Ashim Young is off the team at this point. Um, I did see that. So um, let's see. Yeah, I don't. I did not see Ross today. As soon as I walked into the, um, as soon as I walked in the press box, I heard somebody say they had seen him earlier in the day, but um, I, I I did not run into to, to Ad Bjork at this uh, at this point. Um, just get there, jokes came back from Branson. A lot of old people driving, really scary. Candler, Bullet, and Sprite from Rhode Island, which when I was in Oxford. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will take a second. Uh, really somber note today. Um, it's a good time to do it. Um, I hate that I'm having to do it. Period. But with Neil still uh, not on with us, former basketball, uh, Ole Miss basketball player Aaron Harper passed away last night. He was a member of the uh, the Provine Posse from back in the uh, Rod Barnes days. He came in with Justin Reed and David Sanders, and just really tragic that we've lost. Uh, Two of those men, um, so early in their lives, Justin Reed passing away a couple years ago, or I guess a few years ago now, and then Aaron Harper. He was in town for an alumni event and had a car wreck uh, last night and this morning. So uh, thoughts and prayers with tons of people there. It's just a uh, really tragic situation. It's a terrible thing. I know people I saw had talked to him just before that happened, and um, he did pass away in a uh, in a car wreck. So just, again, all thoughts for the Harper family. I saw Romero had a pick with him from that event last night. It's a... Uh, just a kind of a, it's a really tragic day in Oxford in that uh, in that regard. Neil is uh, logged in. He's not on the screen, so I'm guessing he went to get a water or something. So I'll let him come back for uh, we start talking. But yeah, just yeah, really, really, really tragic. Sometime late last night, early this morning. I'm not sure exactly when, but I know after the uh, the event that was on the square in uh, in Oxford that did happen. Um, there's postrebelgrub.com. People talking about it there. Obviously sending. Condolences at this point um, for uh, for that. Playoff picture: Who do you cheer for? Uh, all the Pac-12 teams to lose as many games as humanly possible. You're cheering for uh, Oklahoma State today because you would need Oklahoma State. You, know, you need Oklahoma to lose, and maybe Oklahoma to beat Texas or something, or however that would work. Um. Yeah, so something along those lines. Again, it's just chaos. I mean, it's it's still early. It's only November fourth. There's lots of games left, and as you're watching on the screen right now, I mean, again, it could be a bit of a a dud situation. Neil, we're always making fun of uh, Missouri. We take our time doing that very often. They find a way to win in Athens today, and it sort of takes some of the punchline off of that, doesn't it? Can you hear me? Oh, are you talking to me, Chase? I was I'm talking sorry. to you. Yes. No, you're good. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, I was I, saying I if was Missouri wins in Athens today, they're kind of like ruining the week a little bit. Uh, yeah. But you know, I mean, we've talked about this for a while. Missouri's good. And 
they they present some matchup issues for Georgia. I haven't seen any of it. I just know it was 10 to 10 at the half. The interesting thing that is happening in that game is that they are um, really hitting a lot of one-on-ones in the passing game. They're throwing the ball to the outside very effectively. It's probably something that Ole Miss would be very uh, very fond of seeing at this point that they might could do something somewhere with. I mean, it's been it's been it's been kind of eye-opening the way they have been able to move the football a little bit through the air. Yeah, I'm searching for. It. Have, they, have they started third quarter yet? Uh, just starting now or in a second. Okay. So, uh, I guess obvious stuff here to uh, to start. Just kind of take me through it. Press conference, Lane, whatever. Uh, I think Lane was more relieved than he was anything. Um, he was pretty funny. Uh, he talked about how on the, uh, the interception that got overruled that he saw the ball moving, but he was trying to sell the replay officials by acting super confident, which was kind of <laughs> fun. Um, <laughs> You know, he, he had really high praise for Jackson Dart. It's a story I'm still working on. I threw a column up just then. I'm still working on a story about Jackson because I thought, I thought this was his best game. Jackson said as much later, too. Um, you know, I mean, he, he just talked about uh, their resilience. The word that he used and kind of the phrase that I used was cardiac kids. This is the fourth time this season that Ole Miss has either trailed or been tied going into the or in, at some point in the fourth quarter. Um, Tulane, they were tied going into the fourth quarter, and then they trailed, uh, you know, LSU, Arkansas, and now today Texas A&M in the fourth quarter, and they've come back and won those games. He called them the cardiac kids, which is probably pretty fitting. Um, but I, I think I think beyond beyond that, they're just they are a. Uh, I always hate using the word resilient because you wrote that in your book, and so it feels like I'm talking about a baseball team. But I, th- I think this football team is turning out to be a really resilient group. I don't know that they're the most talented team. I don't think they were the most talented team today necessarily, but they they are just they're just resilient as hell. They're just very very gutsy, and um, they they do it week after week. And and you know it's the end of my column, but. Quinshawn Judkins was was uh, talking about they're not complacent. They 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 didn't they're not here to win a certain number of games or just make it to a bowl game. Their whole objective is to win the whole thing. And look, they'll have to have a lot of help. But we're going into November the what's today the fourth or November the eleventh. They're heading to Athens, Georgia. With I mean that's still on the table for them. I mean. They don't control their own destiny because they lost in Tuscaloosa. But eight and one, five and one. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's really remarkable stuff when you think about it. I, obviously, we're seeing stuff on TV, but what was the reaction from Dart and the team and just everything else when that field goal? It was blocked. Xavier Harris did get a hand on that. I think was the official ruling that they made there. Um, also, did you – Jeffrey and I both agreed, for whatever reason, I thought he was going to miss that kick. I, I did not think there was overtime. I was already kind of setting up for whatever reason. I, I typically just think everybody's going to make every kick. I kind of do that mentally. But something about the way that drive sort of unfolded with Ole Miss should have had the pick with Washington or had a chance at it, and then Gaddy bobbling it. Just thought, yeah, sometimes you just kind of have to make a play to deserve it. And I thought, nah, the kick's probably going to go wide here or something. Um. I, I figured he'd probably make it. I figured we were heading to overtime, and I, I was <laughs> regretting my decision to come down to the field because 
once you get down to the field, you can't see the game anywhere mm-hmm. near as well as you can from the press box. And I was actually contemplating if this goes to overtime, do I go back up and then come back down? Because I would have I would have had time. But, um, you know, I mean, I thought I thought they did. A, and Lane talked about this, too. They did a pretty good job in at least forcing it to be a long kick. Forty seven yards is not a gimme. You know, people miss 47 yarders. All the time, kid for Florida, what missed a forty-four yarder at the end of regulation that would have won it for them today. But so you know, it wasn't a chip shot, and so yeah, I mean, look, they they got kind of torn up defensively in the second half. Ended up giving up what four hundred and eighty some odd yards or whatever. But again, it was kind of like the LSU game where you just needed to get a stop, and they did. They got to stop. I mean, that's just kind of how you define this team. It wasn't a dominant performance in the second half by any stretch of the imagination. But when they needed a score, they got it. And when they needed a stop, they got it. They are – they're a team that twice today from an offensive standpoint, you go down and you put a drive after the 14-point swing off the block field goal run back for a touchdown. And then – Obviously, when they absolutely had to have it, they're late. When they lose the lead for the first time and they get the ball back. And, you know, Dart, again today, he throws for 387, go throws for a couple scores. He had a couple runs that did something. Even though they really kind of kept him out of the run game with the way A&M's front seven is, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense today. But, you know, season left to go, his toughness, his ability to just sort of go win games, he's creating a hell of a legacy right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean – Missouri down inside the 20. Um, yeah, he, he he just makes plays, man. I mean, you know, earlier in the year he made plays with his feet. Uh, I don't think he's completely healthy. He only ran three times today. I think got eight yards total. And um, he, he just he made plays with his arm today. He didn't didn't wasn't super mobile in the pocket. Just was super accurate. Um, Spread the ball. Obviously, Trey Harris, they, they felt like they had a mismatch there. It turns out they were right. He was spectacular. But he – I mean, I guess I've got the box in front of me. Let's see. He, I, I thought it during – as it was happening, I thought Harris he was kind of spreading the ball around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, but Watkins caught seven balls. Wade, Wade caught six. Uh, you know, he threw it to Prescorn. Three other guys had a, had a catch. He was just – 24 for 33, 387, two touchdowns, no picks. Only got sacked one time against the defense that led the SEC in sacks. Um, offensively, I just thought they had a really good game. Maybe maybe one of their better games. Did you get any idea of what happened in the second half defensively, what A&M did? Would anybody have any clues to kind of what that looked like or what caused it? He just said nothing changed. They just – Made plays. I mean, he gave credit. He being Lane gave credit to um, to Max Johnson and credit to Texas A and M. I mean, they they. I'm sure they made some adjustments. I haven't read anything that the A and M people have written or or whatnot. But you know, I mean, they they made they made some big time plays in that half that kept kept drives alive for them. A couple of big catches, and I thought Johnson was. He was pretty gritty. I mean, I thought both quarterbacks were pretty gritty. Um, you know, his final numbers are pretty solid. 31 for 42, 305, one and one. That's a pretty solid day. Injury-wise, anything we were aware of? 
It looked uh, like Ukwu came back, I thought, there at the end. Yeah, Ukwu came back. Jared Ivey got hurt late, so I don't know what that was. It looked like shoulder, collarbone kind of thing, I, I, but I don't I don't know what that was. Obviously, that would be a big loss. Uh, I didn't see any. I didn't see anything else. We're not far away from this being true danger zone here for the Bulldogs a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, they just made a big play right there to uh, force force a field goal attempt from the big guy. This league has some really good kickers, by the way. <laughs> it does like this kid's a really good kicker? He crushed that. 13-10. We're going to spend all week on this because it's what we do. We're going to talk about Georgia all week over and over and over again and what this the context around this in a number of different ways. But just first blush, and I'm not asking you to be an Ole Miss historian, but is this a bigger game than a game that would you know, pave the way for winning a West or a conference title? Oh, that's a good question. Um I remember covering the LSU game up here in 2003, and that felt like this monumental big game, right? Because if you won, you went to Atlanta and all that stuff, and it was Eli's final home game and all of that. But that team had already lost two times. Yep. Twice. You know, they weren't going to be in the title race. So, yeah, you had a chance to win a conference title, and that team probably would have won the conference title, and it would have gone to the Sugar Bowl, and it would have checked a lot of Ole Miss boxes. Um. Since I've been on the beat, I mean, you go back, I guess, to that 2015 season and you talk about certain games being really big, but, you know, the Arkansas loss happened in October, if I recall correctly, or early November. You know, there were still a lot of games left. And then after that, they won, but they weren't playing for a national title. I mean, a win, Chase, over Georgia again. All you have left at that point is ULM and Mississippi State. You'd have to have some help, but there'd be a conversation to be had depending on what happens in some other games. And, you know, now this is where a narrative I'm kind of shaping in my mind a little bit. I still think it's a bit of a free shot. I mean, if you lose, sure, it's disappointing, but 10-2 and two is going to get you in a, an access bowl. And when you went into a season where most people were talking about 8-4, and 7-5, and five, the over-under was 7.5. I mean, I, I ain't 10 wins in an access bowl. It's really difficult to go, oh, well, that was... You're a win over Mississippi State from going to the Peach, the Cotton, or the, or the Orange Bowl. Yeah, and I just have a hard time, you know, doing any of the that's disappointing stuff with that. Um so I think that's what makes it such a free shot is, you know, you're on the road against a Georgia team that as of this moment has won 25 straight games. Twenty Is it 25? Mm-hmm. I think that's right. 41 of their last 42, two national titles. Um, it's in Athens where they haven't lost since 2018 as of this moment. Missouri's trying to do something about that. But as of this moment, that's the, the case. So I – I think you get to go over there and play super loose and just let it all hang out and see what happens. I, there, there's not a lot to lose, really. And even if you win, right? I mean, the whole, well, we're trying to get to Atlanta thing. 
Well, you got to have Alabama lose twice. So there, yeah, there's yeah no- I mean, Atlanta is basically out, barring Vanderbilt going on a run. Yeah, or or, or all kind of chaos tonight. happening. Sure. Well, I mean, a lost LSU tonight, and I mean, I've covered the Iron Bowl where it got weird. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have. I'm, usually, the best team wins the Iron Bowl, but I have covered. I have covered an Iron Bowl where Alabama went to Auburn as a prohibitive underdog and blew Auburn out. And I have covered an, an Iron Bowl where Auburn went to Tuscaloosa as, a, as an underdog and, and just whipped them on a day when it was so freaking cold. That's the one thing I do remember is just being like ice. And it was like their tradition to keep the press box open. And you're like, oh, for the love of God, it's 10 degrees. Um, Hugh can send but, the Rebels to Atlanta. It, it, well, I mean – <laughs> I, I, I will. I will tell you that I have sat around a couple of times and thought the, the irony of a of a Hugh Freeze Auburn team in the fourth quarter against Alabama, where all Miss people are suddenly having to really cheer for the the former coach, which is is pretty thick. I mean, that story writes itself. But I don't know. I mean, it's so. I I think, and and you can talk me out of this over the course of the week. I think it becomes that deal where if you win, it's one of the biggest wins in the program's history, probably the biggest win in modern history. I don't, I don't know enough about the history, but I, I'm I mean, having a hard time. Again, in 1990, they lost to Tennessee in a game that would have won the SEC had they won it. Yeah, the game okay. in Memphis. Yeah, that was I mean, that was yeah that was that was a big game. Yeah, but that game, didn't ha- that game didn't have national title ramifications, I don't think. No, no not at all. No, no. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Thing. That's the you thing. You win, you go, whoa, no, this is. You win and you're, you're in the conversation. You got to have some help, but you're in the conversation. But Big shit time. happens, Always. 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 I mean, it just does. Yeah, what is Auburn bandy right now? Oh, by the way, did you see your uh, Iowa and Northwestern boys were 0-0 at the half? Yeah, Iowa just scored a touchdown. They're up seven now. It's an insurmountable deficit. The under on that was going to hit. The under on 30.5. Unbelievable. Well, no, it wasn't just that. You missed me and Jeffrey talking about it. Uh, The live over-under at halftime was 14 and a half. It was 14 and a half. That's funny. I mean, look, I think Georgia wins this game, but it's getting kind of squirrely, man. It really is. Auburn seventeen seven right now is what we're doing with. Is that right? Yeah, Jimbo is an LSU loss from seven and five. Yeah, and you know, like they came back and played a a pretty good. They played pretty well, frankly. But if they don't, if 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 the touchdown doesn't get overruled and it's 21 nothing, this thing might be a blowout. And that team looks way too good to ever get blown out. That team looks too good to have four losses. I mean, I, I mean, physically, they looked the part. Like, when you watch them in warm-ups, and Jackson Dart said that. He goes, they, they definitely won the pregame uh, beauty, beauty pageant. I mean, they, they look like Oh, he like said a, that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they look like a legit team. And that's four losses. That'd be five after getting no bowl last year. Who else do they have? Because he's going to uh, have a hard time keeping. They their have focus. state next week. 
I just don't think State can score enough. I don't know where it's at. I would assume college yeah, session. I, I would I would assume State can't beat that team. Yeah, Air Force is probably going down. Tulane, is it a nail-biter with uh, East Carolina right now? You don't just walk into the jungle in Greenville and make stuff happen. you gotta, you got you to you you tough your way through that. <laughs> we haven't hit it. What's Michael Pratt's value on the open market? I would think he'll have at least 50 offers within <laughs> – Within 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I would think he already has offers. Yeah, he has some idea where he might or may not, may or may not be headed at this point. He probably has a clue as to how much he's, what his value is. Yeah, Georgia facing a big third down and then the officials fire a flag in there. The officials have had a day. Oh, they've had a day. They've had a day. They, they, had a they day botched so many holding calls. I do think they got all the catches right, but oh boy! I thought I thought the hold on um, Jeremy James was shaky at best, and the one on um, Priest Corn, there wasn't anybody within ten yards of him. I, I don't know what in the world that was. I thought they got the one right on on Pettis. Um, I do think at the end, I think. I couldn't tell, but I was looking at the stadium replay, and it sort of looked like the kid for A&M, that was a catch. And it was initially ruled an incomplete pass. I, th- I think they got it right. And Lane said that, Dad, Lane and, and Alex Collins was saying it on the sideline. Lane said it in the press conference that the Gaddis, the ball was moving. So they got that reversal right. But they, they've had a day. Apparently in the Florida game, they missed what should have been a 10-second runoff in the end of the game, and Florida got a chance to kick the, the, the game winner and missed it. That would have been oh, that, that would have been you know something people would have talked about, even though no one's talking about those teams. Georgia just scored. Georgia just scored? Yeah. Okay. 17-13 then, there? So, 17, pending the PAT, it's 16-13. PAT will make it 17-13 with like eight minutes to go in the third. Keep eyes on that one is clearly for the fun of the week. I'd like Georgia to be undefeated. That would be. So we're assuming if Georgia wins, it's a two thirty game. If Missouri wins, it's a night game. You're better with me about like CBS's ability to take those or not take those, or I don't. I don't think or anything else. Everything I hear is that that rule is a rule that's sort of written in pencil. It's more of an understanding than it is a rule. Yeah, I, I thought the A&M catch at the goal line was a catch. I know the tip of the ball probably hit the ground, but it can as long as it doesn't aid the catch. Now, your your thing is we didn't get a great view, and they ruled it incomplete. So if you want to say stands, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. But I did so, think just picking it that he caught the football. So what I don't understand about that rule, and I'm not, I'm not saying he missed the call or got it right. I don't know. I couldn't tell. I, I agree with your assessment that the the ground didn't – allow him to make the catch but is it on a touchdown where you have to finish the catch if it's not a touchdown you don't have to finish the catch yeah they they basically basically they said that he caught it got his feet down made a football move by rolling over and then the ball came out like after he was already down and since it's if it's in the pros he probably fumbles because nobody touched him okay but in college they said the 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 it was it was over at that point okay but yes, in the end zone, you've got to basically take it to the locker room with you. Yeah, it was a hell of a throw and catch. 
you know, they held they held A and M to like five return yards total. Ladarius Tennyson was huge today in the return he, he was, game for, he was, for Ole Miss. He may have he may have earned. You know, we were sitting next to a pretty high profile NFL executive. He he may have he may have earned himself, uh, if nothing else, a camp invite as a special teams player. Uh, those were some big plays. Did he say he was doing three games today? Yeah, he was going to going to state for a minute and then racing over to Tuscaloosa for the second half of that. I think he was going to state for pregame just to look at some guys. Oh. I guess that makes sense. I heard him mention something about how Ulysses gets in some some live eyes or whatever his statement yeah. was that he made. I think he was I think he was heading to Starkville to get down on the field for pregame to lay out, put eyes on on actual people, not just people on screens. Trey Washington led Ole Miss ten tackles. Saunders had eight. Saunders a couple of huge plays there um, to halt A and M drives during the course of this game. And then Xavion Harris he blocks the field goal and has seven tackles for the Rebels. Showing a little there for uh, for him. They only got to uh, Johnson one time, one sack. That was Cedric Johnson there late on what easily could have ended the game right there because it was a, uh, a ball on the ground that A&M covered up on that last possession. Chris Graves played a lot when Zamari Walton got hurt. Walton came back into the game, by the way. Okay. So he's – I don't okay. – I mean, that was a really physical game. I would, I would assume tomorrow is – pretty sore day for guys walking into the Manning Center. But, yeah, I would, I would suspect he's okay to play. Uh, I guess final couple things. Anything uh, other than relief from Lane? I mean, what was sort of your other impressions of him? I mean, you know, he was relieved. He was happy. He He's proud of this team. He likes this team. I, I think he – think he wishes they could win a few more comfortably but I think that's just kind of who this team is at this point um he was super pleased with Jackson Dart uh he was pleased with the offensive line um yeah you know he's he's not gonna trash talk Georgia this week I I can assure you (laughs) I mean you know I mean He's not going to talk about collectives on Monday you don't think I wouldn't think I think he's going to be on his very best behavior Chris Graves is the cornerback that transferred from Miami really late in the process, was a wide receiver that converted to corner uh, for the Hurricanes. Still very raw, but very athletic, very long. Yeah, long, athletic, quick. A&M, A&M kind of tried to pick on him a little bit. Um, they, they He was involved on that pick play that got the OPI, got it reversed. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um. Yeah, no, it'll be a bit of a Lane Kirby love fest, I would assume, as the week goes on. Yeah, Kirby I would will think say so. nice things. Lane will say nice things. Yeah, and I, I, I would suspect that's pretty genuine. I mean, they've they've certainly gone against each other plenty in on practice fields. You know, I mean, they've both come. Lane, from the get, same, Lane gets same a couple really good weeks because he gets this free shot in Athens and then it's ULM. So, like, I mean, until Thanksgiving night, he's kind of just borrowed money no matter what. Like, it's all right. I mean, he gets big 38 to 10 on Saturday and he shrugs his shoulders and goes, I don't know, best team in the country. Yeah, that's cool. it's, it's easy. And I, and I don't think they'll get whipped like that. I, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't either. I mean, I, I would certainly pick Georgia because, duh. But man, you get to go over there and let it let it all hang out. Why not? Right? I mean, you just give it your shot. And like you said, if you 
if you don't get it, you you have twelve days to recover. I think Drinkwitz would agree with uh, all the Ole Miss fans about the officiating right now. He looks very uh, non pleased there there in Athens. He's he's very frustrated. Well, body language is not good. They're running the ball a little bit. I mean, they're doing some things. Yeah, they're okay. They're good. No, they're good. He's done a good job. He's 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 changed the trajectory of that program. I mean, they were really close last year to eight, nine wins. Much different show um, than it could have been there late. Again, Ole Miss <laughs> falls behind. Ole Miss takes the oh, – oh, oh, handshake. Did you see the pregame handshake where he did not – he acted like he didn't see Lane. Did you see this? No. All right, so <laughs> – Lane goes and finds him, basically, and you can see Jimbo see Lane out of the corner of his eye, and he turns the other direction and starts really talking to the manager and, like, kind of turns his back to him. And it's really awkward because Lane is just standing there behind him for, like, 10 seconds, kind of going, really? Okay, like, sweet, I'm just going to keep standing here. And then finally he, like, taps Jimbo on the shoulder, and Jimbo does the, oh, oh, man, I didn't see you there, and, like, tries to give him the handshake, and it's like, oh, okay, sure. Oh, my God. Gotcha. I just don't understand him. You know, I've known Jimbo a long time. I just, I don't know when, I don't know why he's suddenly so ultra sensitive. But he was, he was really sensitive this week. I mean, the the Gilbo piece and Outkick very clearly felt like a phone call had been made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Real gear online, yeah, I think Ole Miss gets worse calls than Blue Blood. So the question is like purposefully or because reputation or because they're assuming things like there's so many different human nature parts of it but i mean yeah sure alabama gets yeah. in tuscaloosa i mean if you go down the purposefully lane very far you you get into an area where well then what's the point in even watching it what's the point of even following it because if it's fixed and, and if you believe it's fixed it's just one hell of a conspiracy there was also zero reason for anyone to want a&m to win today no, I mean, if you were fixing the game today, you'd want Ole Miss to win. That's another top ten team. Mm-hmm. You get I mean, that huge game next week. You get Access Bowl. You get all that stuff. It's more money. A and M with A and M at three losses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not going to an Access Bowl at nine and three. No, I mean, if anything, you you want if you're the SEC, you want Georgia, Ole Miss, and Alabama to win today. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. So we get the week we were looking for. We said, let them get past A&M, and then we'll have the conversation. So we're firmly in uh, in that camp now as we uh, move forward for what I, I guess, again, six-day window, guys. So it'll be tomorrow when you get your time, not Monday. Um, they'll let it'll you know probably, the It'll probably leak out late tonight. Okay. But, yeah, tomorrow, whatever. 2.30 makes the most sense. But either way, Ole Miss Georgia next week, huge game, no matter what happens in front of our TVs right now. Georgia currently uh, getting the ball back up 17-13 with 6-11 to go in the third quarter there in Athens facing uh, facing the Tigers. We get done. Uh, again, thanks to Dead Soxie. Elevate your game day. Look with socks that financially support the Rebels. Every step you take shapes the future of Ole Miss sports. Rock a sock subscription. Get the exclusive Juice Kiffin sock for free. DeadSoxie.com subscription to receive the latest in Ole Miss styles every month. Are an interval that best suits you. Upgrade your socks. Elevate Ole Miss. As always, stay socksy. Appreciate them. Jeffrey gave me a ton of time. Really appreciate his time as well. Content up at Rebel Grove. More coming as well. You guys uh, enjoy your night. Stay safe. 
as what is uh i'm getting text again is a pretty uh raucous environment downtown apparently according to uh folks i waiting the the, the the mosh pit would seem to be a an, an exercise in patience at this point so uh anyway good luck to everybody enjoy your night back with a full slate of mpw digital podcast as always presented by twisted t and we will talk to you again very soon this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.